0: This is an Area Code Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Amy Simmons.
0: And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And welcome to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. Back. Hope you're staying safe and sane. Just wanted to give you a heads up on this episode. We are following the rules and socially distancing ourselves, which meant that we had to figure out some technological things that weren't ideal. So you'll notice that the quality drops about halfway through the interview. Um, But this is a really important and relevant stuff, and we wanted to get it out sooner rather than later. Today we're talking about relationships and dynamics dynamics and how those play out during stressful situations uh, through an attachment lens, Um, and then also about what the Bible means when it says, do not worry, do not be anxious, um, and what that means in our emotional lives. So very excited. Apologies for the low quality, but I hope that you'll stick with it because we had a lot of fun talking about these themes. So we decided to do a little um, episode specific to uh, COVID-19 pandemic Um, because I was thinking about just like a lot of the dynamics that I've been seeing going on um, in relationships like online, but also like in personal relationships and just like looking at all the different ways that people respond um, are are responding to this news and this huge shift. And Amy and I were talking earlier about, for one, just, like, how exhausting it is to, like, move into a different mode. I had a therapist friend that was telling me today, like, first of all, our our cognitive, first of all, our emotional load is increased because there's this just underlying anxiety, at least. Some people have an underlying anxiety. Some people have more. And then you also have a cognitive load where you're having to make a lot more decisions than... We usually do.
1: (laughs) Then we feel equipped to make.
0: Right. Well, you were saying, like, we just live so much of our life on autopilot. And when you can't do that anymore, it really takes a lot of energy.
1: Yeah. I think that's something I found interesting in, I have a client, actually, who's a bit of a a shut-in, and we were talking about, actually, like, the benefits for them. (laughs) Uh Like, well, the world's kind of, like, on your... Like beat now, um, mm-hmm. and how many like resources and ideas and thoughts, um, and it's been really interesting because they've sort of perked up um, in this <laughs> space because I, I think there's less pressure, there's less external pressure, um, mm-hmm. but that makes me think about because this is a person we're working I'm working with around anxiety a lot, and yeah, because just every decision you make, I tend to be a person um, who doesn't run super super anxious, um, and. It was really interesting to watch just sort of as new, because we're in Oregon, right? Um, And so we're on the West Coast, where it's been intensifying pretty quick, but we're also the West Coast state that has the least cases. Um, So it's been really interesting to kind of have California and Washington um, generally moving faster than us. and sort of the attitude that that creates um, of people kind of not knowing how to balance (laughs) what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, And things are changing every day. And so you never really get a break, right? It's not like, sometimes it feels like life just changed one day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But it really didn't, right? It's been changing consistently. um, And so Mm -hmm. people are, yeah, kind of having to use parts of our brain that we haven't a lot of us haven't used since we were like kids or teenagers, right. That are like, why am I doing that? Do I need to do that? Do I take that authority seriously and what they're telling me? Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of all of these, like the way that we're interact. I think as we talk about attachment, it'll be interesting to think about like government as authority um, because that's, who's giving us rules. Um, And I've been surprised by myself. Who's like, we just need to listen to the government, which is not a Mm -hmm. phrase you'll normally hear me say. Right. We just need to do what we're told uh, and that kind of but but almost having which is absolutely a privilege of being um, a white middle class um, woman is kind of my privilege of being like, well, I trust that the government is going to tell me what I need to know. That's a good thing. Right. I have this secure Mm -hmm. relationship um, ultimately that I've questioned and worked on but but ultimately uh, it's interesting to watch myself kind of bounce back to what is ultimately a pretty secure relationship with like authority um yeah I think I think that that's been something because I'm just like oh just do what they tell me okay and then just like move on to the next thing um not super Mm -hmm. initially but anyway yeah that's that's my beginning thoughts
0: (laughs) I mean it's yeah you were so you're mentioning that you are not you know, don't tend to be a very anxious person. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, tend to, I, I definitely have some anxiety, but I also turn, tend to stuff it down. Um, but I think that's a good way to look at, uh, to get into, uh, attachment styles and what are the ways that we deal during times of stress. And yeah. so there, um, you know, there are these four different types of attachment styles, uh, secure, um, Anxious, ambivalent, um, and then avoidant dismiss oh uh <laughs> so there's secure and there is anxious, ambivalent, preoccupied. There's anxious, avoidant, dismissive, and then there's disorganized, um fearful. But I think what's most helpful is to look at um kind of the spectrum between uh dismissive and preoccupied. Um, yeah. and actually there's a, uh, podcast that I love called, uh, therapist uncensored, which is all about mm-hmm. attachment. And they talk about red and blue. So kind of mm-hmm. people that are on the red side and people that are on the blue side. So red being the more anxious, preoccupied,
1: okay.
0: uh, ambivalent, uh, and then blue being more dismissive, um, uh, dismissive avoidant.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so I think we all tend one way or the other mm-hmm. on that spectrum, And so there are some people that tend more when they're faced with danger. They, they reach out to others, um, which is great, which is totally like a secure way of approaching things. Yeah. But if we're used to not being heard, then we'll get louder and louder. Um, and we will, um, uh, yeah, we'll make sure that the people around us know we're in distress. Um, and so that can be like, look, um, that's like. If we go to the extreme on that end, that can be, like, histrionic. Yeah. Right? Um, And then on the blue side, if we're, like, used to, like, nobody really listens to me when I'm in need... Um, maybe I get rejected or punished, um, when I do show emotion or need, um, or just like I didn't have people that really helped me manage my emotions, then it's just up to me to do it. So my best strategy is just to shove those feelings down and pretend like everything's fine.
1: Yep. It's all chill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so we all tend one way or the other on that spectrum, which I think is really important to point out, um, and so then what we're seeing, I think, in society is, like, people are ending towards one end of the spectrum or the other, um, and then there's a lot of conflict around that.
1: Yes, absolutely, because I think a lot of times um, – we've talked about this with, like, marriages, right? You, you confirmed my my gut instinct that, like, anxious, ambivalent, and avoidant people tend to actually pair up. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we're almost seeing like a little bit of an opposite in society right now. Cause everyone kind of seems to be pissed that people aren't handling things the way they are. Um, mm-hmm. I am in a house full of people who, um, generally are kind of like, let's just do what we're told to do. And we're just going to take that as the rule and we'll just do that. Um, mm-hmm. which sometimes is really confusing, especially in Oregon where we're not always getting really clear <laughs> instruction. Right. Um, and, like, you know, we'll, we'll buy appropriate amounts of things, and we're going to trust that we'll be able to go to the grocery store next week and things like that. Um, and then you have people, like, I, I'm i almost thinking about it as, like, the two ends of the spectrum, and you can tell me where these people go, is the people who are going and, like, panic buying all the toilet paper, and then the people who are, like, posting memes to Instagram about people who are panic buying toilet paper. Like, there's uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Right, yeah, totally. That's and I assume perfect. it would
1: be people who are panic buying are more anxious and people who because they're preoccupied (laughs) quite specifically Mm -hmm. um but I, i wonder yeah what is um when we're talking about crisis so a question i have for you chris mayfield um is what are we bouncing up against right is it um when we think about how people are coping with crisis out of their um style are they bouncing up on the crisis are they bouncing up on the like government as an authority are they bouncing up on their relationships with other people and how they're dealing with crisis like what is what kind of is acting as what should be the base here
0: yeah well in our last episode interview with Jeffrey Ulrich he was talking about the strange situation And how he's like, if there's a bear in the room, everybody's going to do the same thing. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: And in some sense, we all deal like with crisis in a certain way and we deal in different ways. What's different about this is that it is it's an it's I don't want to say that it's not a crisis because it is, but it doesn't feel like a crisis in the same sense of a national natural disaster. Yeah, it's
1: not one we can see.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a quiet, like, creeping of stress, and so there's this level of stress that's being introduced to society, and then we're seeing how everybody responds to stress. Not to emergency, but to stress. Okay.
1: That's a good clarifier. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right?
0: Be- yeah, because there's no, for most of us, there's no clear, like, run for shelter or do this or that. It's like, here's some information, and it's up to you on some level to choose, like, how you're going to respond to it. Yeah. Which is what everyone's doing. Which
1: is why we get laws, like, we, in Oregon, we just got our executive order to stay at home today, and that's part of why mm-hmm. our governor was being a little bit sassy about it. And it was like, it's because all y'all went to the beach this weekend, basically. <laughs> Right, (laughs) but i think that that's such a great example of like yeah like well who responds to stress by being like either i'm gonna like get one last like good thing in before everything goes to heck Mm -hmm. or are like just sort of ignoring right Mm -hmm. um just sort of being like i'm just gonna pretend that this isn't happening or i'm gonna make an active choice to not believe that um this is happening Mm-hmm. Which seems pretty yeah, avoidant, definitely. right? Making an active choice to just be like, the stressor isn't real.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's happening in, I think, between couples, um, but also between family members. And I think even like I'm seeing this happen a lot with generations. Um, yeah. And this could just be the, the people that I'm around, but um, where uh, millennials and my generation are taking it seriously. People in their, like, 30s. Um, or late twenties. Um, but then like people are, uh, parents, um, age are being like, this is being blown out of proportion, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens is, so the more, um, so, you know, let's start with the, the millennial like myself talking to my parent age person saying like, Hey, this is a big deal, right? Please
1: don't go outside. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. And then if your response is in the face of stress is to do din- not dismiss and minimize things, then it's then I'm going to automatically minimize like, oh, don't worry, it's not that big of a deal. Right. And so then the, the parent age person is going to be like, yeah, this isn't that big of a deal. Like you're blowing this out of proportion. And then the other person, when they hear that, they're going to be like, no, I need to really get through to you. And they're going to turn up the volume. Yeah. Right. And so they're turning up the volume, and then the other person is feeling more overwhelmed with this information. And when they get overwhelmed, what do they do? They minimize, they turn it down, they turn down the volume, they shut it down. And so it's like the more the one person shuts down, the more the other person gets louder to try to get through. And the more that, that per, the louder that person gets, the more the person
1: shuts down. Yeah, and I think there's so much um in a in a especially a communal crisis right in a personal Mm -hmm. crisis we lack power right like that's sort of a lot of times the heart of what's happening right i'm experiencing some sort of personal crisis i lost my job and there's nothing like what am i going to do about that Mm -hmm. i can apply for a new job it doesn't change i can't just like snap my fingers and change it right um or i'm having a mental health crisis or whatever right ultimately for whatever reason we're sort of out of power um, but in a communal crisis, nobody has any power. Um, so in the social service industry, this has been a huge conversation we're having of, well, mm-hmm. what do we do, right? Like I can't ask right. my employees to like go out and expose themselves and also like people aren't going to have food, Um or toiletries because like they don't mm-hmm. have or they have to they're going to have to expose themselves like 12 times as much just to access those things um and so what do you ask people to write in all of that balance um mm-hmm. and so we're having a bunch of people who don't have power kind of bouncing up on each other's lack of sense of power and so i think there's um mm-hmm with folks who are maybe ha- have a more avoidant dismissive approach, right? That's an empowering mm-hmm. stance is to just say like this isn't a big deal, right? Right. Um, yeah. that's where
0: I'm tough, I'll get through this. Yeah.
1: Or it's it's fine right. and I'm good and like whatever and you're mm-hmm. overreacting because if you're overreacting then I am in the same situation I was in yesterday, right? Nothing's changed mm-hmm. for me if you're overreacting. Whereas right, yeah. with someone with a more ambivalent, right? How do we go for power when we don't have it? Well, it's trying to grasp at it, right? Well, you're not mm-hmm. listening to me. Um, I feel out of control. And so I'm going to try and grasp at control by continuing to convince you, right? By working twice as hard, three times as hard, four times, right? And just continue to amp. Right. Um, because we never reach that foothold, Right. In a situation where we're having a communal crisis, nobody's got a foothold. So everyone's bumping up on each other's, like, sense that everything's out of control all the time. Um, And it's being given to us through televisions and through our, right? And so everybody's sort of in this sense of crisis without there being a tangible crisis
0: hmm. Yeah. And I, this is like a lot of what I'm bringing in is from EFT and in couples yeah. therapy, but I'm seeing it happen in like Facebook comments, <laughs> yeah. you know, like like it's happening on this like widespread scale. And I am a little bit hesitant uh, to like I don't want to pathologize either, no. either of these, uh, especially because the people that have been sounding the alarm first in my life have been people that are immunocompromised. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not saying like oh like those are people that are like they blow things out of proportion or whatever it is it only makes sense because it's like nobody is listening to me I need to keep coming up more and more right I need to get louder I need to really like I need people to pay attention because my life and my health is on the line but it's like the bigger that that gets for people that get overwhelmed with that um, with with emotion and they don't know how to cope with emotion nobody ever taught them right it's like my best strategy to deal with emotion is to pretend like it doesn't exist then they're actually having to do work twice as hard to dismiss the emotion (laughs) and it you know and everybody gets frustrated because it's like the more I can't get through to you the louder I'm gonna get and it's like but the more that the louder you get the more I'm gonna pull away I'm gonna withdraw I'm gonna like not give you attention and it just is
1: is so fearful right like we're all Everyone is kind of in this space of, um, like, dealing dealing with fear, right? Dealing with fear and feeling like they're not right. in control. Um, and I think you bring up a really good point. Right? Like, for instance, someone who's immunocompromised um, who is like, I need y'all to listen. Um, that's the heart of how people develop right, an anxious attachment style, right? It's that sense of, like, mm-hmm. something's wrong and I need you to listen. Um, and so it makes uh-huh. sense that even, even if you were an adult with a totally secure attachment, that you'd sort of been ex- experiencing um, some of the, I don't even want to call them symptoms, but, like, portions of what anxious attachment can look like under stress. Because even if you, were even if, um, you know, on February 1st you were okay, like, that's not... Um, you can still be in that moment, right? Um, right and I think yeah. those are coping yeah, skills, this, so, right? Um, the way that anxious attachment, right, is a way of coping with a specific type of stress. So even a person with a secure attachment under a certain level and type of stress is still going to respond that way.
0: Right, exactly. And that's that whole point of like the looking at this on a spectrum. We all have a tendency to go one yeah. way or the other. And I think, yeah, you can see people that are really trying to get their needs met because they have really legitimate needs and they get really loud. Um, And then you also see the people that like just shut down and go on as though life is normal and uh, go through their day and um, busy themselves. Right. So we talked about like um, that those those kids in the strange situation that that didn't have a parent to help them like know how to cope with difficult emotions, they would go like play the xylophone. They would go like do something because doing something is better than like just sitting here with this emotion. And if you pay attention, you can start to see it. It might look like so-and-so like they're just totally checked out. They don't care. But really what they're doing is they're feeling that stress inside, right? And then they're going and doing things to cope with it. It actually makes me think about um, – so they were looking at these kids, right? And they were looking at the the avoidant kids, the dismissive kids uh, that seemed like they weren't bothered at all by mom being gone, okay. right? They were just going about their day. Um, but what they did is they took uh, they took pee samples from those kids uh, and also from the kids with the ambivalent um, preoccupied attachment, right? The kids that like – couldn't calm down the whole time. They're yeah. Crying. They're screaming and found that they had the same levels of stress hormones secreted during yeah. that time. So they're internally, they're both going through the same level of stress, but these kids are like screaming and wailing and these kids, they're like playing the xylophone, just trying to like distract themselves.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, this is an interesting time and this may often be true in a crisis. Um, I wonder what you think about this, <laughs> but it almost mm-hmm. seems like I—I I obviously, um, firm, firm believer, just on the record that it's not like I think that there's a preferred type of insecure attachment, um, but that in a moment when something like potentially dangerous is happening, um, having avoidant attachment is a real dangerous space to be in, right? Um, especially like something like this where it's like, okay, if if what your instinct is is to say that this is being blown out of proportion and to distract yourself, which is going to prone you to go out into <laughs> the world to like two more things. Um, it's just, that just popped into my brain. of like, Oh, how much more dangerous that is than someone who's like anxiously locked mm-hmm. themselves at home with a million supplies, which is, you know, it should that be the situation, you know, people shouldn't be hoarding supplies. There are all sorts right. of problems with that too. Um, but just the interest of like, of, And I wonder how often that's true with avoidant stuff, um, of how much more they might find themselves in a dangerous situation due to a a disinterest in, or a a literal avoidance Mm. or a dismissal of kind of those warning signs Uh that something unsafe is happening. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, avoidant dismissive people tend to do better in their careers. They're more successful, um, because they just focus on doing things and, um, and so it would be interesting if that was sort of like the great yeah. reversal, you know. Um, but also, what I what I'm witnessing is that there are a lot of people that are avoidant, dismissive that are uh, maybe on the one hand they're not really talking about their feelings; they seem sort of shut down. But they're also like, prepping, yeah, <laughs> you know they're they're not doing it in a frantic way, but they're like they go to the store every day and like get another roll of toilet paper. You can only get one a day, and it's not this. And it, right. And it's not the same as like the frantic yeah. person that's like, oh my gosh, like everybody's going to die. It's the, it's the like internal, like, I don't know what to do with this stress. I'm not going to show that outwardly, um, with the people around me, but it's going to show up. In yeah, I'm behavior. just going to do,
1: do the thing.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Right. So I think it's just a really helpful framework as we're like seeing people respond um, and especially that dynamic where uh, we tend to polarize and tend to like, uh, well, for one, we just all deal with stress in our own way. And I think that's another thing, like going even beyond uh, attachment, um, just kind of noticing, like, what do you do? Some people in my life, such as my wife, Uh, She's like baked a loaf of bread every day. (laughs) Um, She's like trying to master sourdough, which is great. Like if you're stuck at home, uh, you know, find a hobby. Uh, I think some people, you know, distract themselves like watching things. Um, Other people are doing the like reading news all the time. Like there are all these we're seeing all these different ways that people deal with stress. Um, And I think that it can be really helpful to take a step back and be like, everyone is under stress right now and everyone is going to their default way of dealing with stress and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that that's just what we do as humans like we just go to our like here's my go-to strategy to deal with stress and it's worked for me up until this point otherwise I wouldn't keep on some level otherwise I wouldn't keep doing yeah
1: that's that's really interesting I was talking to my roommate she got off a like uh all family members zoom happy hour um as our just uh, funny fine. side note we were talking about how no longer does anyone have any excuses to like not show up to social things <laughs> 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 so everyone has to like either develop better boundaries or <laughs> like actually be like I actually don't want to do right. that um but nobody's gonna do that so everyone's just uh-huh. like weirdly socially busy um uh, right. I thought that that was uh-huh. very funny um but she got off this like all family right. zoom happy hour thing um, and she was talking about how you know so her stepmom is um getting tested and so they're waiting for results um and so there's all and her other aunt um has some lung stuff, and so there's all these like really valid reasons um that there's some concerns bouncing around um and she kind of got to this like i just had to get out of there eventually um which is valid. That's how I would feel if I had been on an all family member's Zoom happy hour call. I'd be like, awesome. I'm done now. Um, about 35 minutes in. But um, what I thought was really interesting was we got into this conversation about we're all balancing each other's anxiety, right? And so you want to be really gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, but also everyone has a lower threshold right now. I, something I've been like thinking about with myself lately is like, I'm a really high energy person. Um, i sort of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's something I can like offer most situations is mm-hmm. um, being, being pretty puffy. Um I'm sort of feeling that like mm-hmm. need to offer that and realizing that like, I don't have as much of that. Like is normally a never ending well of energy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, has become it has a bottom now um and i don't know what to do uh and still there's a lot of space to show up for people but i think that that's interesting in as there's a lot of um public narrative on showing up for each other and public prescription on what that means too which is interesting um it is interesting to think about, yeah, like we're asking people to kind of give up what they have. And ultimately, a lot of that's just coming down to financial because we're all sort of at a similar stress level now, right? People mm-hmm. at a similar financial yeah. level still. And so that's a space to like give from. But the stress level has, has really evened out, it seems like. Um, and that's probably a, a quite a privileged stance that I'm taking, right? Because um, I'm a person who... Is blessed to have a pretty low level of stress in my day to day life. Um, mm. But yeah, I just thought that that was interesting of like, oh, you know, having like a really anxious family member. And normally you're like, yeah, I'll be really gracious to you. And it's like, I don't have anything to give you right now.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we are all, that's why we're seeing all these like patterns play out because everyone is under stress and everyone's going to their go to strategies. Yeah, one thing um, that we do know that helps reduce stress um, is talking yeah, about our feelings, um, and having someone else validate and acknowledge those. Um, Dan Siegel talks about in the Whole Brain Child talks about name it to tame it, um, and I just want to throw that out there. Is like that actually is when when we have safe relationships and we can. Um, you know, it, so say you're the person that um, really, like, yeah. raises the alarm, right? And you're always trying to convince the people around you that this is a big deal. Um, you know, there's a difference between, like, you know, read the news, uh, you know, kind of demanding people have a certain mm-hmm. response versus going to the people that you're close to and being like, I feel really yeah. scared right now. And that's the sort of thing that like will get the response that you're probably hoping for, um, probably quicker. And then same with dismissive is like it might be like, yeah, I know that I tend to shut down my emotions. I know that I like tend to shut down when I get stressed, um, but that means you know I am stressed, and that's yeah. why I'm shutting down. um and I think that can help uh the people around us like interpret what's going on you know, it's not that I don't care. It's just like when I'm under stress, like it's really hard for me to know how to deal with it. And so this is what I do. I like go to the store every day. I would not suggest that, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, that's, I think a, a helpful way to think about like what secure attachment does mean. I have a need and I reach out and let other people know what my need is.
1: Yeah. Which oh, I was just gonna, gonna say reasons. that's um, this is a great time to practice that, especially as more and more of us find ourselves in like sort of pseudo lockdown situations, um, because it's the only thing you can do. So, what a great time to use the one thing you can use, right? Um, and I think that there, mm-hmm. there, I wouldn't be surprised if people found some even extra in that because it does give you a sense of like I can do something right because we're all grasping for like what can I Mm -hmm. do like how can I do something um and I think that's such a great example of like well what you can do is practice um being a more emotionally healthy person by doing these things like you got all the time in the world Mm -hmm. for it um and you have a limited number of people that you're probably able to practice it with right now which is often what feels scary about practicing boundaries it's like how do i go out into the world and deal with that with everybody right like or you know emotional Mm -hmm. um like regulation stuff it's often scary or difficult to think about how you're going to take on the whole world at once and you have a secret blessing of (laughs) you can't take on the whole world at once right now um I've been really annoyed. I was venting to Crispin earlier. I'm falling into the trap of something that annoys me, which was people. Uh, the internet. and maybe this is a good transition into our uh, biblical section. <laughs> uh, I was venting to Crispin about being annoyed about people being like, it's just like an extended Sabbath, which may be true and maybe a like really legitimate narrative for certain folks, um, depending on what your like work and life situation is super super I've been working like 50 hour weeks instead of 40 hour weeks like that's just not an extended <laughs> Sabbath for me that's just not what's happening um in the world of um helping people being your job <laughs> and I think for some people that mm-hmm. is and that's great um but kind of kind of the balance of that and so here I am being like you have a little blessing uh, totally falling into the trap of being a church mom I'm not a church mom not even a mom but being a little bit of a church mom <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we did want to look at, um, you know, this, like, faith over fear, um, and there's, hopefully by the time that this episode comes out, this will be sort of, like, behind us in terms of churches being, like, we're gonna, we, you know, God is stronger than coronavirus, Coronavirus we're gonna, like, hold the the gathering, so. Right, um, but it does bring up this question where that I have, which is uh, so let me just be really explicit about emotion yeah. and attachment because they do go together. Um, So you might be like, I thought attachment was about relationships. Why are we talking so much about emotions? Um, it is in our, in our closest relationships that we manage our emotions and, um, secure attachment means interdependence where we share our emotions with, uh, others that are close to us. Um, and just in that being with someone being with us, a lot of times that really helps with a lot of emotional regulation helps us, helps bring it down. And so, um, when we look at this idea of fear or anxiety or worry, um, it sometimes is confusing because the Bible says, don't be anxious, don't yeah. worry, don't fear. Um, and so then, yeah, it brings up this question. Like, does that mean that we're not supposed to have those emotions? No,
1: obviously you I don't thinking? think we're not supposed to have those emotions. Uh, I think that that's really, okay, so and I do think that there's, a, there's an argument against what I'm about to say. There's always an argument against what I'm about to say. Um, I am not unquestionable as much as I wish I were. Um, we, I, I really, and we, I think maybe we've talked about this before. Maybe just you and I have talked about, maybe we haven't podcast talked about it. I have a really um, deep, belief and like entanglement of my theology kind of with this idea that like God created the world right I'll go on record I'll say I think God created the world Um, and I think that a lot of times I sort of measure what I think may or may not be sinful obviously by scripture by tradition right I'm using my whole set of things but also against how like the actual like world and earth (laughs) functions right um Mm -hmm. i think that things that are within like god's design flow well and things that aren't don't right when you murder someone there's a ton of natural Mm -hmm. consequences i think it's a good signal to us Mm -hmm. that it's a sin right um we have Mm -hmm. a physical we have a physical response to harming another person right I think that that's a good indicator that there might be something sinful in intentionally harming another person, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Fear is a natural response to danger, right? It is a thing that our bodies immediately do, and it exists to keep us safe. I think that fear is a gift that God gave us. give us indication right. that we are not in the space that we should be in whether it's relationally whether now that being said right as a therapist as a social worker as a human woman lots of times our fear is also deceptive right because anything about us can be it's not like oh if you feel it's right then it's right right that's a crazy wild too mm-hmm I think that dismissing a whole portion of human experience as sinful is incredibly problematic.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and they said, oh, I really liked reading this news story about uh, the coronavirus because it wasn't fear based. And I was like, well, like when you're talking about a pandemic and it's something that you need to prepare for, like, it should be fear-based. Like, that's what fear is. Fear is the signal to our bodies that there is a threat to our safety. Yeah. And this this uh, qualifies as a threat to our safety. Therefore, we should have a fear response.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that... Um almost bouncing back what we have to be careful of on the other end is that trying to create fear in others in order to get them to do the thing that we think is what we want them to do right is also not a like healthy secure Mm -hmm. way of dealing with things um go back to like fire and brimstone theologies that like if you don't do this right you're going to hell forever and it's like i just don't think that i just don't really see a lot of basis for god being interested in even having that conversation with us Mm-hmm. Because almost get a lot of biblical evidence for God being right. even talking to me about whether hell exists. So, um, again, I'm getting a little <laughs> into into my more controversial theologies. but, yeah, you know, that's what we do it's here. fine just casually. It's fine. Everyone's under a lot of stress. I can talk about controversial yeah. theologies. Why not add in um, yeah. your fear that maybe hell doesn't exist? Does that make you nervous? Mm-hmm i don't know um you can edit all of this out
0: <laughs> no this this is under the prophetic imagination station uh podcast network where we regularly talk about our views on hell so
1: perfect okay great um gotta go back and listen through all those so i feel more <laughs> justified um, there's
0: one called let's talk about hell baby let's talk about you and me perfect there
1: you go you two are adorable <laughs> um, <laughs> All of that to say, um, I don't say that fear is legitimate to imply that it is a space for us to live in or thrive in, right? What, mm-hmm. I, what I truly, in looking at human nature, behavior, physiology, and scripture see fear as is a motivator to, to change, right? Like a, like a behavioral right. motivator, um, right. not as a, as a space to park ourselves in.
0: Right, yeah. And that's um, like if you look at uh, Peter Levine and his work around trauma. Uh, he talks a lot about um, as animals, like us included, right? We are supposed to have this uh, this fear response, but we're supposed to move through it yeah. quickly. We don't live there. It's like we go into this fight or flight response. Um, we move to safety, and then we calm down, and we move out of that space. We don't we don't carry on in that like traumatized state. But humans do that, unlike other animals, um, where we get stuck there.
1: Oh, I was just going to just kind of add to that and say like it does have, I mean, it has well studied like negative impacts on brain development to live in um, like a long term fear state, right? When you see um, like studies about kids who experience um, consistent complex childhood trauma, um, what we see in brain development um, is is really difficult and creates, um, a difficulty with, with that regulation later in adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, again, I really don't want to like get into a like, no, fear's great. (laughs) Um, but just because things aren't great, doesn't make them not useful and certainly does not make them sinful. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to like, what do we do? What is our relationship to fear as a, as someone who follows Jesus?
1: appreciation. (laughs) That's my like Uh I think I think uh I think fear acts as a as a nudge back onto the right path, right? A nudge, a nudge towards safety, a nudge towards God, a nudge towards relationship, and you know, like I really think that um I think that small doses of fear benefit Mm -hmm. Uh, us.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that fear is something that we can bring to God. Yeah. So if we go back to that, like name, or, name it and tame it, right? Yeah. We can bring it to God and also the, to the people in our lives, right? So going to the people that you care about most and being like, I feel really scared right now, right? Is That's just such a natural thing to do. Um, and I think kids are like the best example of how we're supposed to move through our our emotions. Kids have a lot of emotions. Yeah. Um, but they don't necessarily stay there. They know how to reach out to the person that they, uh, that they know will help calm them down. And when I, when I think of like those, um, instances in the Bible, I mean, there's a lot, but, uh, you know, don't. So, you know, we could look at specific passages, but that, like, don't be anxious, don't fear. I see that as a reassurance, not like a yeah. not like a prohibition of emotion. It's not like don't, fe- you know, because think about, like, if we bring, right, if we bring it back to thinking about, you know, God is our divine parent and us as kids, right? It's the difference between a parent that says, like, stop crying or, like, you know don't don't be afraid you're fine you're fine versus like oh like you don't have to be afraid don't worry like let me give you a hug right and i feel like that's as i read those passages that's actually something that shifted this last year for me i'm like oh i feel like god is trying to reassure us in those moments it's not that he's telling us like how we should feel
1: yeah i think i think it often in scripture we see and i've heard people talk about this um from many different angles, um, but one thing that I've heard that I really liked is like, well, when you see don't fear, don't be anxious, it's always when God's like showing up or when an angel's showing up, right? Uh, it's in that mm-hmm. in the beginning of what becomes a conversation, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really powerful when we consider our relationship with God around like, yeah, don't, don't fear. It is exactly what you're describing. Right. It's an invitation into mm-hmm. like, you don't need to be fearful of me. Right. Because mm-hmm. we, it's our instinct.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I think a lot of times, um, yeah. Like, like don't fear, don't be anxious. Is like, well, there's already, maybe you were, I mean, I, like, why, why are you hiding in the garden? Right. Mm-hmm. Like God going like, that's not, that's not what we're doing here Um, because our human wiring does deceive us at times, right? Is we're not um, all knowing. And so our wiring gives us a message and we don't always interpret it. Right. (laughs) Um, So God kind of showing up with like, yeah, this is a situation that's scary, but you don't need to be afraid because I like, I gotcha. Um, It's an invitation to moving through fear. It's not, I don't think it's a condemnation of fear.
0: Right. Yeah. I think in those moments, it's not God telling us how we should be or feel. It's him telling us something about who he is. Right. He's, you know, if God is love, right. I'm love. You don't need to be afraid.
1: Yeah one of the big things we talk about in trauma therapy um, with people who have developed some like really, right? Cause when I've done trauma therapy with people, it's um, generally people who are experiencing like really intense um, or teenagers specifically in my case, um, who are experiencing mm-hmm. either addiction or really serious like suicidal ideation, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, one of the things that we always talk about is the idea that like, yeah, that helped you, but you don't need it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. with whatever that skill is, right. We can, we can say thank you and we can put it down. And I think about kind of what God's saying in that moment of being like, yeah, that was scary and that was okay. And we can, but it's okay to put it down now, right? Like you're safe to put it down now.
0: Yeah, it is such as it's a strange thing right now to be sort of adjacent to evangelical America. Uh, because there is this like you know we can pray like mm-hmm. don't be afraid um, and it really is hard to know like how to emotionally process it because um, in terms of like God preventing death he doesn't have a great track yeah. record Um, so let's just a- acknowledge that right <laughs> like yeah you know
1: in it. right I mean <laughs> in
0: the sense that like You know, so many people have died tragic deaths and so many people that have where we've prayed for healing, not me personally, but like just in the church, we prayed for healing and healing didn't happen. And so I think that there's it's like, how do we uh, not pretend like everything will be fine, Um, but also like take it seriously that like that God Doesn't want us to um. That I guess yeah in some I mean now I'm gonna like stumble over my words in some sense everything will be fine I think that God is working for the healing and redemption of all things, but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna go through significant grief and loss.
1: Yeah, and I think I think what you're hitting on right is the the ultimate hope and promise of Scripture. Right, is that like in the end. It's all okay, but the end's a long way from here, right? Um, right. And so, how do we maneuver in the meantime? And I do think like God's wired us for it. Um, I think it's interesting the phrase you sort of started out with, and we kind of parked on on fear. But I think it'd be interesting to spend a little time parked on faith, um, because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously, like seeing those as opposites. <laughs> fun that's uh-huh. a fun thing um but just what is what do, what is space right for, for me I came to the conclusion mm-hmm. a long time ago that like my greatest hope is that at the end of it all right at the end of it all we're okay right and that's that's mm-hmm. my hope um that has nothing that doesn't mean it's okay today or tomorrow or even like while I'm still like alive in this body right but like it'll be all okay mm-hmm. And whatever comes from that um that being said right that also yeah that's also you have to walk through so much fear in that space um and sort of the, the movement of our lives through fear seems to be the most powerful portion of faith right i almost think about um if you can like do a rework of people always use that phrase of like it's not courage (laughs) it's not courage if you do it when you're not afraid it's courage if you do it when when you are or whatever Uh I think it's like Winnie the Pooh I'm terrible at that stuff um I didn't read a lot of children's books (laughs) as a child
0: (laughs) I was thinking of uh the princess diaries uh you know there's that letter from her dad that like courage isn't the absence of fear but it's like acting when you're afraid
1: yeah yeah. I think that's from something originally. Yes,
0: I think so too. But I wanted to quote Princess Diaries because
1: You know yeah. what, Kristen? <laughs> I love that about you. Um, that delights me. <laughs> but yeah, right. Like, and I and I do think that in some ways that's also true of fear, right? Like or of faith. Like what is faith? Right. without tribulation um and not to glorify difficulty or struggle i think that mm-hmm. that's a whole theology that we could talk about forever that's really problematic and maybe kind of avoidant i'm not mm-hmm. sure yeah. i think it leans avoidant right of yeah like, totally no, it's
0: that same sort of awful. thing like well it
1: didn't it didn't struggle. hurt me so or like it's okay like it's not a big deal that it hurts because it's important like whatever that yeah. is mm-hmm. um right i'm not sure but really, really having the idea that well, faith, faith is is keeping coming back, right? Faith is like I don't believe, like I feel my disbelief, right? Like faith is like showing right. up to something, right? Yeah. Continually, even when it, when it's fearful, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, and I think part of faith is is not even, like, the tenets that we um, think of in terms of faith. Like, for example, like, currently we think a lot about, like, faith is believing God exists. Um, But Jesus never, like, preached that. Not that he didn't. But his big emphasis was, like, it's not, like, does God exist or not. It's, like, this is what God is like. Yeah. Um. And actually, I was reading. Um. I'm reading this book. Uh. Called On Being Liked by James Allison. It's wonderful. He's a queer theologian. Um. And he's talking about like the power of knowing a God that likes you. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know exactly like where that fits in in this time of fear, but it's, it's something I've been meditating on. Like, what does it mean to know that to trust that God likes me? Uh, which is different than, like, God is going to, like, protect me from dying or whatever.
1: Yeah, and in in that kind of conception of God, that God isn't on a mission to create pain for you, mm-hmm. God doesn't does not ask in intending for you to be fearful, right? Um, I saw someone, uh, I think I saw, I've seen a number of people post it, but I saw Andre Henry, um, who's an anti-racist. Activist, um, like speaker and musician posted <laughs> a thing that I had seen floating around that was like, Okay, movies are canceled, concerts are canceled, school is canceled, work is ca- canceled. Now, do I have your attention signed, God? And he was just like, This is bad theology. And I was like, Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Because you've right. you, seen a lot of that floating around that is really dismissive, mm-hmm. it's really dismissive of the pain and stress people are experiencing to just say, like, this is your opportunity to get close with God. Um, he He did this. He took everything away in order to get your attention. Um, right. Like that's what you should be doing. So don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. Don't be sad. Like this is your extended Sabbath, right? Like right. a lot of that stuff that is really, again, really, really dismissive. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the memes you see are dismissive. I think memes are just sort of a dismissive
0: <laughs> 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 right. <Maybe. laughs> yeah. Well and, yeah. I'm gonna and work it, on that theory, but and it makes me think about this this picture of a God who cares sort of more about himself and being worshipped than he does about people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um someone recently this was um uh, af- right after the tornado that happened recently I believe oh, yeah. in on the east coast um, and, um, uh, Franklin Graham posted this, uh, <laughs> this news story of this Bible, right. That had, uh, remained there, not been destroyed. Right. So the house around it had been destroyed, but, you know, and he said like, you know, quoted that Bible verse about like the word of God will never fail or like, you know, it's other things are grass, burn, whatever. It lasts forever. And it really okay. is like, okay, so God chose to save a Bible of which there are millions in the world, but he didn't choose to save human lives. You know, like, and, and that points to this, to this God that cares more about his own fame and glory, uh, than he actually cares about us. Yeah. And I think that's actually one of the things that Jesus was coming to, like, uh, you know, was coming to teach that God actually cares more about us than he does about systems and about um, all these things that we think God really cares about. I think God cares about the whole of humanity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that becomes important in a time like this when we're seeing something global happen.
0: Um mm-hmm. uh,
1: yeah, I'm not sure I have like much to expound on on that, but I, I, I mean, think we're the just importance like importance of that,
0: right? We're launching right into a theology of suffering, which I have no like <laughs> very little <laughs> to, to offer. <laughs> that is not something I've figured out, <laughs> but I do think that faith is believing that God likes us. So that's my do you starting think that
1: point. I think that's good. I think yeah. that
0: that's really good. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Okay. Um, Let's
1: do but, it. Let's yeah. Rest. Yeah.
0: I'm glad that we took a minute to, to talk about attachment styles and dealing with stress and, uh, what the Bible says uh, when it, when God tells us to not be anxious. Um, and I'll be excited to just continue this conversation going forward about attachment and theology.